Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner, and BizSimply is the all-in-one HR workforce management rotor operation software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. And at Crew, we're here to do the unglamorous work. That's the whole point. Anybody could step in and do it. I want your core staff at the business to be running at top speed, and now they've got help to do that. One extra bar back, right? One more person on the line to just help to alleviate a little bit of the stress. But what that also does for the businesses is instead of carrying a full staff 24 7, 365, when they really only need those extra people during a certain season or a couple of nights during the year, it allows them to really be thoughtful about labor costs. And let's not ignore how important that line item is on the PL by getting that right. If you can get your labor costs right, it means you can take care of your poor people. You can start to perhaps do things that you weren't doing before. Benefits, pay time off, all these things. But you can run the team that you need and flex up when you need it, but only when you need it. Hi there, Mavericks. Today, I got a real treat for you. As a sit down with a powerhouse, Jennifer Ryan, co-founder and CEO of Crew. Crew is combating the staffing crisis by intelligently connecting talent with flexible work opportunities in hospitality. We dive into the origin story of Crew and how they're helping tackling one of the biggest challenges we've ever seen in our industry with their special community. And we uncover Jennifer's insights on how to navigate the staffing crisis by her own experiences running a restaurant both during COVID and post-COVID. We explore the rewards and challenges of entrepreneurship, Jennifer's top learning as a business owner and her pro daily routines for maximum impact. If you liked today's episode, it will mean the world to me if you could leave a review of the show on either on our website, hospitalitymavericks.com, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The better the reviews, the better the guests and ultimately the better the learning is for you. So stick around now to catch Jennifer's excitement about entrepreneurship and the one question she wished I've asked her. Enjoy. I always get excited when, you know, when you meet like-minded people that likes, for example, books. We've just been talking about books before we went on here and the power of them. And we're going through some of my books in the back and, uh, what the key learnings was. And that was what happened when we had our first conversation. And then also I really love when operators hit challenges and pain points, and then they try to go and solve them. I think like tech is a great example of how you can actually, you know, as an operator, if you really felt or found or really felt the pain, then you can go and create a much better solution than anyone else, because you know who you're serving 
and what pain you're solving. So with that said, welcome to the show, Jennifer. I'm very excited to share your story as an entrepreneur today, but also like how you were part of solving the, the staffing challenges in hospitality. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Can you, first of all, for the, for the listeners, like give a bit of context of, you know, your journey into hospitality, because that was not where you started. And no. then how you went from running a restaurant to build a tech solution. Yes, I am based in the States and outside of one job as a server in the summer during college, I have zero hospitality experience. So it was very much confusing to my family and friends when my husband's job took us to the South and I wanted to open up a healthy, fast, casual restaurant with zero experience. Um, I learned a lot in that endeavor. This was right before the pandemic. Had I known what was coming, I wonder if I would have rethought that plan. Um, but ultimately, flash forward, I put together a business plan. I got together funding. We bootstrapped from the beginning. I teamed up with wonderful people in a place that wasn't home, in an industry I knew nothing about, and bringing a type of food that was fairly foreign to this region. Salads and vegetarian burgers and um, vegan offerings. And all of this, um, against all odds, I should say, because of the people and because the community, we were able to launch this brick and mortar called Blue Root. And I opened the doors of our flagship restaurant eight weeks after I had a baby. And I look back on that moment and think, how did we do that? And I go back to the people that I was so lucky to surround myself with. But if anybody out there is an operator, you know, this is the hardest industry. And the only thing harder on us in 2020 was the fact that we were hit with really the most difficult challenge any of us had seen in a long time. And I, like many others, as an independent owner, wanted to make sure we could keep the lights on, keep paying our team, keep supporting our community. And against all odds, we survived. But it was really the staffing challenge that almost put the nail in the coffin for us. And unfortunately, ended the track record of so many amazing businesses in our town and around the country. And it was at that moment in 2021, after we had survived a few moments of the pandemic, the supply chain issues, and so many other challenges that I teamed up with other people in the industry to try to stem the bleeding, to try to figure out a way to keep great people in the industry by providing flexibility in the work. And by doing that, we were trying to fill shifts in businesses that were understaffed around town. And that was the bridge from Blue Root to Crew. And it's very interesting because, of course, I dig a bit digging. But again, you have to change the industry a number of times. Besides, you, you also set up a family and so on, because that's also a transition in itself. Um, I definitely, the most people I and founder world is very hard with family. Can you talk a bit about like, before we go into the problem you're solving with the staffing crisis and crew's uh, role in that, exactly about, about how, how do you make that happen? Because I'm very fascinated about from a very, very corporate job to running a restaurant and even moving location, which I didn't know. It was a very interesting move across the country and to then launch a tech businesses because it's really different worlds. Like, and I just been in food and hospitality and restaurant all my life. And I thought that was making shift from supplier to operator and the other way around again. They are very different. So between that summer as a server in New York city and opening up a restaurant, I spent 10 years in the financial services industry. I worked on wall street in New York city. And that could not in many ways be more different than running a restaurant. But I will say that there are 
threads of familiarity in any highly intense job where there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of moving pieces and you're at the mercy of a lot of uncontrollable things. And so as a young person in my 20s, um, I was not in charge of deals. I was not running point on a lot of transactions. I was there at the mercy of whatever the clients needed, my boss needed. And a lot of those 10 years were cutting my teeth and figuring out how to solve problems, right? Working with great people, working with difficult personalities, working with people all over the state, the country, the world, figuring out a way to get a problem solved for someone, right? And so I think it goes back as different as those industries are, it taught me a lot about how to solve problems and how to think creatively and how to work with people who have perhaps a different goal in mind, but you need to be able to come together and get something over the finish line. Those tactics, those practices, and frankly, just a lot of the exposure to working through difficult situations, right? That's what teed me up to be able to run a restaurant. And I will look back at that job as a server that summer in New York City and say, that was probably one of the hardest jobs I ever had I was so ill-equipped. I was so bad at what I was doing. And I had to learn quickly how to communicate with a bunch of different people, how to learn skills, how to triage problems when the guest is staring at you to solve something that has gone awry. And it was the beginning of learning how to solve problems in a high-stress environment. The next 10 years looked a lot like that. And then the restaurant came and I felt like I had had some of those reps under my belt to really understand how to to work in difficult situations, how to have the fortitude to keep going, how to understand when to ask for help. But I also think as I've learned over the last couple of years after finance, I worked in technology for a bit before the restaurant and now I'm back in tech. Different, I always thought was a detractor from my resume. I thought I was going to be too much of a wild card for some. And I found that at many phases of my career, I was an English major that went to work on Wall Street. I had zero experience. I worked, I moved into technology with zero experience in technology. I opened up a restaurant with outside that summer, zero experience, but a lot of it had to do with transferable skill sets. And so over the years, I've learned that this, these, this different, these different backgrounds that I bring aren't detractors, but they're really, um, they're a differentiator for me. They give me a leg up because they give me a vantage point and a perspective that's new and different. It's a fresh way of looking at building a restaurant. I had experience um, understanding the numbers. I felt very comfortable putting together a business plan and managing a PL. And I think as I talk to more restaurateurs, that's an area of, um, of opportunity, of, of growth for them. That's not where they, you know, they lean into the strength. They have the culinary experience, which is not what I had. And so more and more, I try to lean into the different background and to leverage the learnings in those other places. We have tried to manage the teams in um, not even more corporate ways, but there are threads of what I've learned in those other industries that have allowed me to give more and give differently to my team members. That is not typical in hospitality, whether that's parental leave, pay time off, um, flexible schedules. And we've really tried to reimagine what great looks like. And it doesn't have to be what is traditionally done in that industry. And I keep finding ways to bring the different into the new experience and I think that point of view has proven useful. And there was a couple of things you said, Jennifer, that made me reflect. I'm just gonna, if we just can stay with that. One of them was that you said that, you know, these transferable skills, what would you say is the, the top three skills you take with you? Like, because I can see that thing about thinking differently coming from a, as an outsider is definitely an advantage sometimes, especially in an industry where systemic 
issues around. And you said that the PL was a great example of I was very lucky my mom and dad trained me in PL. I worked for McDonald's, trained me in PL, but lots of operators don't understand how PL and it is actually a game, you know, you need to learn to play with your PL. Yes. Top three. I would say number one is um ability to collaborate with people, right? You need to be able to work together. If I've learned anything, this is not a solo venture. You cannot work alone in this industry. You cannot work alone in any industry. Even if you're a solo founder, you need to surround yourself with people. And I think step one in that is recognizing one's own blind spots, removing the ego. We were talking about Ryan Holiday before, right? Recognizing where you have opportunities for growth and surrounding yourself by people that are going to be smarter than you in some capacity and being very comfortable with that. So it's this notion of team, together, collaboration, self-awareness. I think that's number one. Number two, I would say is asking the right questions. I often find that I am in a room, whether it's a meeting or a discussion, and it could be with a team, it could be with the city, it could be um, some other group. And the conversation is not focused on the right thing. And next thing I know, people are solving a problem that really doesn't move the needle. And so figuring out a way to get to the core of what is the most important thing we need to do right now. I ask my team a lot. We have one big goal this year. There are a lot of things that need to happen, but there's one big goal. And I ask them almost every day, what needs to be true for that to happen? Anything else? Take it off your list. And so really figuring out a way to find the priorities, be clear about them and ask the right questions. I think that is the starting point for leading teams down the roads on priorities that will move the needle. Right? Otherwise, it's just a bunch of stuff and a bunch of yeah. cycles um, and a bunch of noise. And we are here to move the needle. We are here to change the game. We are here to disrupt an industry. And number three, I think whether you use the word fortitude or grit or perseverance, I have found that sometimes, most of the time, I am not the most seasoned and I'm not the smartest in the room. I do not have the 20 years of culinary experience. I do not have 30 years in the industry, I will oftentimes be the last one standing because I know I have the ability to keep going and I have such conviction in what we're doing. And sometimes that just takes a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, awareness on what the goal is, but I just refuse to give up if I know that something is worth pushing for or pursuing. And, um, there are a lot of things that are taking away our attention these days. And instant gratification is a real thing, particularly as we look down at younger generations. Um, I've tried to stay focused and I have tried to be, tried to outlive, you know, the people around me and sometimes surviving, particularly in these really tough moments like a pandemic or supply chain issues or staffing crises, you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And it is not glamorous to do the work. People believe that there is some sort of shortcut to getting there there is no quick cash. There is no um, windfall that's coming. Sometimes it's just simply doing the work. And yeah. I think that's lost these days. And so I think with those three things, figuring out how to work together, figuring out what to focus on asking the right questions and just do doing the work around that, I think it's not everything, but it's the core to what empowers us to run these businesses, to support the teams and to support the communities. And I hope it is the reason that we continue to be resilient, even when times get really tough. Have you um, found that, you know, as you've gone into a new industries that has been, it's been challenging for you to get a voice at the table? Because it seemed like that when you end on that, the grid thing, 
it's almost like you have to fight for that position. And the only way to fight is not say, I, I should be given the word. It's actually showing that you can keep on going those 1%, because as you say, that's what makes the difference. That's If you read Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he talks yes. about level five leadership is your ability just to take along, getting 1% better all the time and actually leave the noise out in principle. It's one of the basic fundamentals of uh, level five leadership is that it's not about you, it's about them and serving them in the best way and actually not being so, you know, care so much about who gets the credit, but actually we are moving the needle. Yes. Um, yes. Moving into new spaces and new industries um, has been challenging for obvious reasons, right? I am, I am still learning. I am trying to um, immerse myself in the knowledge, talking to the smartest people, reading all of the books. This is where you and I were talking before. I am a constant student. And the the moment that I recognized that was a positive attribute and not one to shy away from, um, I think that's where my my personal paradigm shifted. I now lead with that. I am open to learning. I'm open to changing my mind when the information changes. I am accepting of when I am wrong. I am excited to share what I've learned with people and to learn from them. But when I walk into an industry as sometimes stuck in its ways as the hospitality industry, right? As innovative as we are on the food front, we are fairly specific in the ways that we approach how we run a restaurant, how we operate a business, um, how this industry treats its people. And so changing any of that or being a new voice in the room has been difficult. So I've had to find sponsors. You know, I've got the mentors, the people who are going to guide me and give me that direct feedback, but I needed people who are going to who are going to support me in the room when I wasn't there. That is what a sponsor is for me. And finding those people, I had to earn their trust. And it all comes back to, I think, being authentic, being genuine, and admitting what you don't know, and asking, if nothing else, if you can just sit quietly and learn from them, right? And mm -hmm. be very clear about where you want to go and what you want to do and get their feedback. But I was very fortunate to find these great people, particularly in Birmingham, Alabama, men and women alike, who were willing to take a chance on me because all I wanted to do was give to this community. And so they were, they were the ones that were in the rooms when I wasn't there saying, we should give her a shot. She should be included in this meeting. And that takes a really long time. But those are the relationships that were pretty instrumental to me entering, again, a market that I wasn't from. I had no business being in that industry. I was a female coming into a very male-dominated space, right? And so it is not impossible but it is improbable unless you have the tools. And one of the tools for me was really leaning on folks that were entrenched in that industry, in the community, who were trusted and beloved and going directly to them and asking. And some were very open and some said, I don't really have time. And that's okay. But there was, I was always going to ask the question. And the worst that was yeah. going to happen is that they said no. And so I think that's what allowed me to wedge that door open. And then it was a matter of proving myself, which meant I needed to read the books and talk to all the people and ask the right questions and prove that I was able to stand next to them and offer something. And as much as it might sound silly, I tried to offer as many favors as I could because I knew I was going to come back one day and ask them for something. And I said that, right? I said, I, I fear, I'd like, I, I know there's going to be a day when I'm going to come to you and ask for your advice or your counsel or need something. Is there anything I can do for you today? And that might've meant washing dishes. It might've meant sending a great team member over to help them. It might've meant, you know, being interviewed for an article that was about, you know, something they were doing, whatever it was, but I was really keen to say yes. And I think opening myself to those experiences and earning trust by giving, it was a longer road, but it paid off because it felt genuine. As really interesting you mentioned, uh, 
the ability to ask, which I think often is a big challenge. And actually, we had <laughs> I had Wayne Baker on the show earlier this month, where he talks about he wrote the book. All you have to do is ask, and he talks about you know the, if you don't ask you're not solving the problems you need to get solved because you can't solve all problems yourself, but you say, and the ability to ask is actually a huge thing that they definitely took me some years in entrepreneurship. And actually I thought almost looked like I didn't know what I was doing. And actually the humility to say that I don't know exactly where people are, but, oh, well, I can help you. I would love to help you. I'm an expert in this. I want to show my expertise and, and help you if that's for, you know, for a fee or it's not for a fee, but actually a lot of people give free, free help, you know, without, asking anything back for it. Let's talk a bit about the problem you're solving in hospitality. You were touching on the staffing issue. Tell tell us a little bit about how that came about. It was in the pandemic. You were hitting the staffing crisis yourself. Talk a bit about how you then come to there must be a better way. There must be a different way. There must be a better way. There must be a better way. I mean, most entrepreneurs out there had this moment of, surely there is a better way to do this, right? And I was so lucky in the dark depths of 2021, when we were watching other businesses closed, um, closed down, we were watching people shutter. We were watching for me personally, I used to be 50% men and women on my team. And during the pandemic, something awful happened, which was most of the women who worked for me had children to take care of, of all ages. And so when schools closed, they had to choose between being a parent and putting food on the table. And they're always going to choose being a parent always. And as a new mother at that moment, I understood for the first time, like what that must feel like. And so for me, not being able to give, I'm a small business. We are running very lean. And I knew that I couldn't give months and months of pay time off because we were so new. We weren't even eligible for all of the government support. And so we had to figure out a way on our own, but it was watching the excess of women from our industry. And our little microcosm at Blue Root was watching these women leave and thinking, these are some of my best workers and they're begging to work. They just can't work when I need them to work. Okay, well, I know these businesses down the road that need people at different times. Maybe my people can earn some cash there. Okay, well, now all of a sudden you get a little bit nervous. Am I gonna start losing more people? Well, if we take a huge step back and we ask ourselves, is there a community of businesses that need help and talent that's looking for flexible work? Can we just figure out a way to bring these two sides together? And so like most startups, there was not insane technology to start. It was really just trying to solve a problem. And so three other industry veterans who are incredible, plus one software engineer and I teamed up to try to figure out if we could bring these two worlds together in a more seamless way. Because right now it was a text to the bar over there and a stop by the restaurant over here. Do you have six hours for me this week? Can I work, you know, the midnight shift? Can can you bring me into dishwash on Sunday? there had to be a better way. And so that was really the beginning of crew. At the very end of 2021, we hatched this plan. We won a little hackathon in a Techstars hackathon. And, you know, there was enough there for us to say, okay, we're not going to quit our day jobs, but we believe that there is momentum because there was enough interest from the people that we were serving. Can you get this right? Can you really give us an opportunity to work flexible hours and to get paid right away and to pick and choose where we work and to earn benefits and, and, and things that were just very novel in the industry. And so in 2022, we formalized a plan in the company called Crew, C-R-O-U-X. And that came from this notion of Rue, the base of a dish, right? Thinking about the humans in hospitality that are really the base of what this entire industry stands on. If we can't figure out a way to support the people, 
this industry does not exist. And so we, we built crew, joined the crew as this community of people that was looking for a different way. And what that does for us, when we think about the mission of crew, we think about economically empowering individuals, right? Allowing them to pick where, when, and how they work and how much they earn. And we fundamentally believe that when we empower individuals and allow them to bring their full selves to work because they work around childcare and transportation and get paid quickly on the funds that they've earned and tap into wellness and health benefits, some of which are free and get tax support and dot, dot, dot. When we can arm individuals, all of these things that are otherwise absent in our industry, they can show up with their full selves to work. And when employees show up with their full selves to work, our businesses can run at top speed. And when businesses and local communities run at top speed, those local economies start to thrive. And it all starts with supporting the humans, the people. And that was the beginning. I can see, you know, if you typical use of this platform besides the the restaurants and the retail space or whatever it is that has frontline employees and where, you know, the, the skill barrier is not super high. We just need somebody and we can quickly instruct them to do the job. But who would typically use this platform? You were talking about the moms that might find it difficult to sure. have a full-time job, for example. That's definitely a dilemma you heard before. Really good female leaders leaving the industry because they couldn't get part-time or four-day work week or whatever it is yeah. they needed. That's right. There, What we've seen, so we've filled over 10,000 shifts really across the Southeast and the Midwest in the U.S., and the focus is exactly what you described. I would call these lower skill, lower risk roles. Regardless of your experience, you could step into it and do the job. Um, and the types of roles really range from event staff. So I need to set up tables before a wedding, or I need to um, pour water, or I need to run from kitchen to table, um, to bartenders and barbacks, to dishwashers. And we certainly have more skilled positions, whether that's a line cook or some prep, but Generally speaking, these restaurants, bars, event venues, and everything in between are looking for extra sets of hands on their most important evenings or days, right? They're hosting a wedding. They've got to staff up. They're hosting a football game in a stadium. Who is going to clean up after that stadium, right? But that stadium, that game is going to yield so much revenue for that business, the people, the town. It's critical that it goes on and it goes off without a hitch. Now, who fills those roles? Yes. I think about working parents. Um, and that's a good example, whether you're caring for children or you have elder care, right? A continued conversation we have, I'm caring for my the next generation above me in some way, shape or form. I've got to work around those responsibilities. And so people who are in caregiving roles, who can't sign up for a 30 hour a week job because they need to be at the, they're at the behest of, you know, whomever they're caring for. That's one great example. Another great example is students. Students who are focused on learning, and this may be a traditional college student, it may be somebody who's gone back for a technical skill, it may be someone who's picking up some classes on the side, but now you can earn while you learn and you can pick up shifts and help pay your tuition, pay the bills, you know, put gas in your car, do all those fun things. Um, and then the third is you know, hospitality people who are already working multiple shifts and multiple jobs as we speak. You know this. Most of the people that work for me at Blue Root it's a daytime job and they're picking up shifts elsewhere in evenings and on weekends. And I fully support that. They've got to earn as much as they can. And we're only open so many hours. 
So instead of asking these folks to go cobble together two or three different jobs, perhaps they have a core job, which is what we've seen, a W-2 job like at Blue Root, but then they go pick up bartending shifts whenever they can. And that may mean that they're going to work an event all weekend and put $500 in their pocket. But those are the three types of profiles we see time and time again. But at the end of the day, outside of the demographic or those groupings, the real through line is life is very expensive and people are looking for opportunities to earn more, whether that's to put into savings, to pay off credit card debt, to pay the student loans that are back in the US, whatever it might be. And so people are looking to earn. And so the reason we've made those roles so low risk and so easy to step into is because anybody, you or I who work in the industry, my parents who don't work in the industry, you know, a young college kid, there's a wide gamut of people, whether or not they have experience that could step into a role today and earn cash today and be helpful to a business today. So we take it to a view from, from the, but it's great for the, for the, for the worker in a way, it gives you them lots of ability to earn extra money around their own time. But we take it from an operator point of view, because when I was a full-time operator, one of the, the difficult things I was struggling with was actually taking people in temporary, or they have to be part of the company, all this thing. I need to employ them to give them my culture, all that stuff. And I often said, well, we need to give the culture to the culture carriers. We, we have this foundation of staff in our business that's really important that's you know a leadership team and a core group of where we are following that one to two percent because we just have to accept it's a transient industry and not everybody wants to work in hospitality for the rest of their life that's just a reality but how how is operators taking this have the pandemic helped with being more open-minded to solutions like this i think they have i think because the founders are operators we wanted to make sure that that perspective and that psychology was represented. So when I talk about our focus on the talent, I do believe that we have to start there and build a culture in the community of people who want to show up to work. These are people that have raised their hands saying, I want to work. I want to show up. I want to earn. I want to do a good job. But we have very high barriers to make to allow you to get into that community. There's a very rigorous screening process. There's a background check, this, that, and the other. However, if you've made it through all of that, if you don't show up on your first shift with crew, you just don't show up, a no call, no show, you're not allowed to use the app anymore. And I know there are extenuating circumstances. We'll, we'll put that aside for one second. But what we've seen is good behavior tends to lead to good behavior. We're here to support the good behavior. And it doesn't matter your skill set. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. You want to show up and do a good job. I'm going to reward you. Your trust score mm -hmm. is going to grow. Your earnings are going to grow. It's all about you being able to show up and do the job. And so there's a sliding scale of suspensions and terminations if people don't abide by the guidelines that are very strict and very clear. And for us, it's quality over quantity. And so when I talk to businesses and I say, look, this is a different approach. I get that. And very, very specifically, the businesses that, very, that find crew to be a lifeline or a true um, support system for them, they typically tend to be organizations that have a really strong core staff, but they've got a lot of events where they need a pop of people a one day a week or during a season or one night. And what this does, bringing crew people in that are highly motivated, they're um, high caliber, and they've hit all these markers, it precludes our core team at that said business from getting burnt out. Because on those high stress nights, the business knows my best bartenders can be up front and the crew people are going to be doing a lot of the not so fun work behind the scenes. 
but that's going to allow my bartenders to shine. It's going to allow my servers to run fast. They're going to know that the dishes are going to be done. The floor is going to be mopped. The things are going to be clean. And at Crew, we're here to do the unglamorous work. That's the whole point. Anybody could step in and do it. I want your core staff at the business to be running at top speed. And now they've got help to do that. One extra bar back, right? One more person on the line to just help to alleviate a little bit of the stress. But what that also does for the businesses is instead of carrying a full staff 24 7, 365, when they really only need those extra people during a certain season or a couple of nights during the year, it allows them to really be thoughtful about labor costs. And let's not ignore how important that line item is on the piano by getting that right. If you can get your labor costs right, it means you can take care of your core people. You can start to perhaps do things that you weren't doing before benefits, pay time off, all these things, but you can run the team that you need and flex up when you need it, but only when you need it. And our subscription model, you turn us off whenever you don't need us. I don't need you to be holding on to crew if you don't need us. I'm here to help you when you need me. And mm-hmm. if you find someone awesome and you want to bring them on full-time, I encourage that because we have a lot of people that want full-time jobs, but not everyone. And so we're here to support you in whatever facet that is. You need somebody one night for a wedding. You need somebody during a football season for several weeks. You need someone to come in full-time. I've got your back. And you use us when you need us because I know businesses needs ebb and flow constantly. And that's what we're here for. And especially in the world we live in now where um, there's so much, you know, it could be weather. It's a very good one. And now suddenly climate change has been relative restaurants, strikes here in the UK, we have train strikes. So if you have a, definitely if you have a London location, you'll suddenly see that either your demand flocks up when they cancel the train strike last minute, and then you can't staff properly, or it goes down when they decide to now next week, we're going to do a train strike. And that's gone on for two years. And I know it's huge amount of money operators are not just wasting in revenue, but also in the cost base and also bad customer reviews when they're not ready. Um, exactly. So, and it was really one of the things I was thinking about if I was an operator is then what you're also solving is that I guess when you get people from, from the platform working in a place and they have a, they know the place they've been there before you try to send them again, I guess. And they can say, I would like to go there again, yes. or they yes. can say, I don't want to like to go there because I guess also there's an element of curating the operators because you want operator that treats the, uh, the people from the platform for the community in a nice way. Exactly. And we try to ensure that quality over quantity um, rings true on both sides of the platform, right? For businesses and for talent. For the businesses, they review the talent and those reviews along with all sorts of other components build a talent's trust score. And that's how a business knows if this person is likely going to be the right candidate for them. Because the things that businesses are looking for today is a little bit, like I said, less the hard skill and much more of the, are you going to show up on time with your shirt tucked in, ready to work nicely with other people and just say, yes, sir, I'm here to do the job. That's what people are looking for. They need an extra set of hands that's going to be supported. That trust score is is really based on the ratings from the business and all of the other inputs um, on the trustworthiness of that candidate. But um, concurrently, the talent rates the businesses. And it's as simple as, would you work here again or not, right? And we want to make sure there's um, complete confidence on both sides for folks to speak freely. You know, I had a great experience there. That kitchen was a wonderful place to work. Or, you know what? They really were pretty disorganized. And I'm going to take that feedback in a way that's thoughtful and say to the business, we had really good feedback, but here's a couple of things we learned. How can we help you make sure that 
the, the experience with group folks is great next time. The feedback coming from us to the businesses has been so well received, whether that's industry insights, location insights, here are what businesses like yours, here's how they're approaching these types of problems. And so the analysis that we're able to provide to these businesses has been pretty instrumental and they're receptive to it. But the two-way rating really keeps folks true to their commitment. And I think that's really important. It's really important. And should we find talent or businesses that aren't aligned in our values, we're okay to say goodbye. And that's okay because um, our reputation is staked on the reputation of the businesses and talent we work with, right? So yeah. Yeah. You're only as good as the the people you surround you. <laughs> exactly. Software. Exactly. I love to work with the team over at Bissimple because they are always striving to get better. 1% better every day. So I had to share this with you because Bissimple have launched a new blogcast which highlights some of their favorite hospitality maverick podcast episodes over time. And if you're new or a hardcore super fan of the show, this is a perfect opportunity to catch up with some of the standout episodes from our massive back catalog. The Bissimple team has and will be extensively transcribing interesting moments from each episode while providing some new insights on our brilliant guest, the Mavericks. There's already some great write-ups with Mavericks like Chef Chantel Nicholson, and the co-founder of Singerman's Community of Businesses, Ari Weinschwein. Find them at thissimply.com slash blog and click Blogcast on the right side menu. Enjoy. Being involved in, you know, different kinds of businesses over the last couple of years, we touched on the pandemic. We don't need to dive into much to that. Hopefully we're on the other side of that. Yeah. But what has been like, you know, you as a business owner, co-founder involved in these different businesses, the, the most significant learning you had? Because we all come out of some like big moments with something. Yes. As I read more books on the business front or the, you know, self-improvement front, um, as I read these things, I, I'm nodding to myself thinking, oh, yes, yes, yes. I made all of these mistakes and I'm still making them, I will admit. Mm. I think some that come to mind that um, I've really tried to be pretty self-aware about and pretty conscious on how I'm tackling them, one of which is staying small, meaning keeping the Mm. focus um, narrow in scope, being able to sharpen the spear, and that translates to, with crew, a very specific segment of the market, right? A very specific profile of the business very specific markets that hit a rubric that we develop that is important for us. It's very easy. I get pulled almost daily into conversations around taking crew into new industries, new markets, new places and spaces. And our focus right now is to prove, iterate, and reprove that we figured it out in this space. So continue to keep that focus narrow. And the same I would say is with my menu at Blue Root. This is so hard. I really struggled as an early restaurateur trying to be all things to all people. Mm. Right. And so I served, I can't even tell you how many things are on my menu. And now I have salads, I have burgers, and I have bowls. I have three of them each. That's it. We rotate seasonally. People know what they're walking in to get. And I probably lost customers who loved that we used to serve X, Y, Z, and we don't do that anymore. But for um, simplicity, stability, um, processes, execution, and also brand, what are we known for? All of those things. It rolls up to a narrow focus and just 
executing the hell out of that. And so that's been a real learning for me because I tend to want to say yes. Someone says, can you add that to the menu? That's a great idea. I'd love to do that next season. No, you have to. Right. Go to this new market for crew. I'd love to do that. No, I, I can't do that. Right. And so going back, like I said to my team, you know, what I said about my team, we've got one big goal this year and so many things roll up to that, but I keep asking myself and them, what has to be true for us to hit that goal? And everything else gets pushed to the side. And that, that's just, that's a constant learning for me to refocus because I want to say yes to so many things. I think that that's probably the biggest one. I think the other is the constant, I find this interesting to keep learning, but the constant need to learn and absorb and be ahead of the curve in this industry is, is part of like our secret sauce. We have to continue to stay relevant. We have to educate ourselves. Complacency has no room in our playbook. And so um, I love that, which is, it's so fun that we get to pursue that curiosity, but it is really, really, really important. We, we just, there is, even when times are good, I tell my team, there's, this is not a moment of rest. Like, let us appreciate, let us, you know, note the success and say, well done. We, we cannot rest on our laurels and we can't become complacent because our world, and you know, this is constantly changing. So continuing just to stay up to speed. Yeah. I think very interesting what you talk about that is all when you find something that works, you think, let's just continue doing that. But actually then when it feels like that, that's when you should ask yourself, it doesn't mean you should stop doing it, but uh, is there actually something we're missing? Should we actually take a different tweak on it to stay relevant are we actually doing the right thing now um because i think like people's you know consumers are changing fast, but also i think really interesting which i think it's the hardest thing in our economy of the smartphone the economy you can say almost the 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 economy of uh, you know where you actually are in the center of everything every transaction and you're used to being disrupted so much exactly you 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 didn't call it focus but i call it like the 20 percent that get 80 percent like you know and, and my really one of my big goals this year is also like how can i get things off my surface that doesn't really contribute yes. to my big goals and thereby indirectly the business i'm involved in and it's really hard like where especially when you're in a starting position with some from a sales point of view you talk about oh should we roll it out here should we oh do you want to come and pitch us and mm-hmm. you get flattered and people want to hear about your business but yeah. then what happens is that because you're not clear about who we sell to or where what are we trying to prove First of all, because you're choosing the channel, because you know that's the right channel to serve. It's great, all these opportunities, but it's not now. Stay small, get it right. And then you, maybe you're going to be there one day. But actually, yeah. off niche is the best place to be. Um, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of those advisors I talked about, the sponsors that I mentioned early on, one of the gentlemen had said to me, you know, you, I know you want to grow. This was with Blue Root years ago. I know you want to grow. I know you want to get to multiple units. I know you want to do X, Y, Z. You cannot do any of that until you, if, unless you get the first one right, right? You cannot even con- you know, continue to take what you've done and scale if that one doesn't work. And so I, I think about that all the time for the restaurant. I think about that for crew. And so I know I talk a little bit about out of both sides of my mouth when I say we also have to be you know, continually relevant and you know, continue to experiment. It just, it, it still goes back to the goal we're trying to achieve, you know, the people we're trying to serve, um, the goal we're trying to achieve. And so um, it, it's, it's hard to do because you're right, the world in which we live, we're getting pulled. I feel like I'm constantly chasing the latest social media ad algorithm trend, you know, mm-hmm. like I yeah, haven't figured this out yeah, as, as one silly example. Um, and I just have, we've got to stop the madness on that front. So like I said, we, we keep going back with the team to say, what is not 
required? What is not mission critical for us to hit this big goal this year? Everything else goes to the wayside. So it's hard. It's hard to say no to things, particularly well, when you're okay, a founder. I guess you, you talk about the goal you set for this year, the big goal that you're hunting. I guess also defining that goal makes it easier than to pull people back because you defined it. Everybody has hopefully a shared understanding in that purpose and direction of where you're going. And therefore you say, no, no, that's really great. I had a similar conversation yesterday where I said, yeah, that's an absolutely great opportunity, but it's not what we wanted to do this year. Yeah. It might lie in the future. Right. When you, the opportunity might not be there, but again, then everything else we've done the last three months is wasted if we start hunting that because who's going to hunt it beside us, you know, right. and then we are, we lost focus. So um, but again, it was only because it was so clearly defined in the last quarter last year, this is the ultimate goal. And if that doesn't happen, nothing else matters. So that's the, it, all the energy has to be back behind that critical goal. Um, but many businesses don't do that. It, it sounds so simple, but actually my experience, and I've been, you know, the worst myself for getting that because the, the shiny neck thing and the excitement of a founder, oh, that's exciting. Let's run after that. And that happens. Um, what would be your, um, you know, what it would be your, your, you know, your top hack you will share with others that you do because like you feel like you have lots of energy, have a lot on your plate, but how do you show up as the best version of yourself every day and do what you need to do, do the work, as you said at the beginning. Yeah, do the work. It is not glamorous and every day is not a great day. Let's be honest. We're working day to day a lot of the times as a parent and a founder and anybody who's in the hospitality business knows it's family business, whether or not your family actually works there because you bring everything home to them, right? And so it's just, it becomes all encompassing. And so I think there's a couple of things I'm working on. I can't say that I figured it out yet, but there's a couple of things I'm working on that have proven to be pretty useful. And these are from all the books that you know, like The One Thing or um, you know, any sort of um, focus on um, minimalism, simplicity. But for me, a lot of it has to do with um, how I allocate my time, sticking to that and having um, personal time in the morning to work out, to meditate, to walk, to play with my two and a half year old, whatever it might be. There's things that I find sacred in the morning. And one of those moments of, um, you know, m minutes of sacredness, if you will, is also planning out the next day. And I've got my calendar tag for it the next day so that I know there's usually one thing that I've got to tackle to make sure that I continue to push forward toward that big goal. Um, and so at a big level for the company, we sat down in Q4 and did our planning for Q1 and we scoped out the year. We knew what that big goal was. We, um, we're able to articulate that from a quarter to quarter perspective and then a month to month and then a week to week. And so the team knows exactly from a qualitative and quantitative perspective, what needs to happen for, for us to keep on track. So there's no thinking, right? I don't have to um, allocate mind share or brain power to figure that out every day. I just know. And so that was some upfront time, that notion of measuring twice cut once, I just really subscribed to. And it took time. And I think the team was really grateful we did it because now they know what their direction is and they're not waking up in the morning thinking, where should I be spending my time? What's right? What's not? I want people to feel empowered. I'm working with other co-founders, right? These are leaders of the business. And so we divided and conquered along our you know, lines of expertise. And so we know what we're doing. And so therefore, when I plan out the day or the week, taking those 15 to 20 minutes to do that has been instrumental and really game-changing for me personally, because it allows me to say no to a lot of the things that aren't required, right? And I have to block out time just for the stuff to pop up because you know our industry 
corporate world, it's like 80% we know it's coming, 20% we don't. And in a restaurant, it's the opposite. Yeah. You know, the the weather, the call outs, the suppliers, like whatever it is. And so I've just always allocated some extra, some extra time for that. So what you just touched on there, like the, the, the and I wrote about <laughs> it the other day, I'm going to show, share it on LinkedIn very soon. I wrote a little blurb about, because I was very frustrated by the messiness of life and business. And, um, and it came back to somebody I interviewed some point and Vicky uh, Barnes, you should go back and listen to that interview. If you're listening to this as well, she talk about radical acceptance. And I think in the founder or the restaurant and the food world, there's so many moving parts that you can't control it. And I deeply down have this demon of control. Uh, that's why I really tried to McDonald's because I control, I can pull in that thing. And then that happened down the line or this happened. But the reality of, you know, entrepreneurship is that you can't. But if you have the baseline, as you say, your fundamental blocks, your morning routine or whatever you call it in place, and I feel I have the same, then I had a good start. And then it doesn't matter what happened. If my days start like this and they end like that, that's fine. Because a good start and a good ending wraps it in. And um, yeah, I love that uh, thing. And I, I, I struggle with this myself. And even though I'm doing these things, doesn't mean I'm totally controlled, but I actually feel a bit more controlled. I think before we started recording, I just said, this is one of these week on the entrepreneur's journey where it just keeps on coming, you know, obstacle is the way you just have to look in that book by Ryan Holiday every day, just to keep saying, yeah, it's okay. It has to be hard. You need to get a stone to bleed, you know, before you get there and all that. Um, what is, um, what is the one question you wish I've asked you and what would it be? And what would you answer, Jennifer? So I think we had a lot of great topics today. I get asked a lot by folks who are excited to start a business, but they don't know where to start. And I don't know if you get that same question. How did you pick up and do this twice? What what made it? Uh, what made you feel like you could do that? I don't have the X, Y, Z, the funds, the time, the support, whatever it might be. And I'm not sure I've got the perfect answer to this one, but I will say, and a lot of people that come to me, happen to be women that have a great idea or an ability to maybe spin out and do something on their own but they're really worried about the risk associated. And um, what I typically tell them, because it's the advice that I got, was if people are looking to make a shift, whether that's building a business, changing an industry, trying something new, um, I'm a huge believer in putting yourself into uncomfortable positions, clearly, because I keep doing it for better or for worse. But a great mentor of mine had told me to put perfect on paper, right? So if you're in a place where you're looking to make a left turn or to, to, to take a leap, put perfect on paper what that experience is, what that business looks like, what that new um, employment looks like, what your comp is, what the flexibility, whatever is important to you. I think it's really important that we, we each do this because no one is going to put this perfect picture together but us. And so if you're in that moment where you're looking for something new or different or just a deviation from where you were today, articulate perfect for yourself and tell yourself you deserve it. And then give yourself a period of time. For me, when I was launching... Um, you know, Blue Root was a period of time and a, a dollar amount that I wasn't going to exceed and some markers I had to hit. And I put it together and I said, if I can do this within this period of time, I'm going to keep going. And if not, I'm going to say I tried and I'm going to revert. But um, for all of you guys, all of those of you out there who are looking to just maybe make a leap or try something new, give yourself a chance and put it on paper because it's the first step of making it real. And then give yourself a time frame to go start executing. And I think you'll surprise yourself. It was very interesting what you said there. It was actually my mentor that said at some point to me as well, 
also as you you do that and it's not to stop your progress and you think you mentioned as well there you said when are you leaving it like when is enough enough i think lots of people think they start something and then they're not successful with it and then they have to leave it had to leave some things in the pandemic and i felt very now i've learned how to leave things it's easier now it'll be easier it's not doesn't work you know it doesn't give any sense we tried everything but of course you have to try everything you can in your power but what is the point of leaving and that's actually harder than defining than starting it doesn't mean you're pessimistic it actually means that actually you know when it starts not being good for yourself and your family and so on and and you need to know where that line is i think as well yes. i think that's and that's what people are scared or scared of because they haven't defined what that line look as and actually you know we suffer more in imagination and reality often yes yes we do i would also um i would also say that um this notion of failure. I don't know if you feel it in the UK as much as you do in the US. It's, it's getting better, but it's really frowned upon, you know, or at least there's a feeling that it's frowned upon, right? Um, and the more you spend time with entrepreneurs, real entrepreneurs who have tested and tried, you recognize that there's not a stigma. It almost is a badge of honor. Like I tried, I went for it. I put together a business plan. It didn't work. And here's what I took from that for the next business. And so yeah. just as much, as much as it's easy for me to say, if that's the what's precluding you from trying something new is falling on your face, um, what's the worst that can happen? You fall on your face. Yeah. You know, you and also as long as you know when that moment what is those coming. Guardrails are. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Put those guardrails up for yourself. You know at that point it's not gonna work anymore. Then you know what you when you're heading it, and then it's not gonna be a surprise in a way. And then you of course it's not gonna be easy, but you can definitely better manage that if you're not manifested how the worst situation could look. Yeah. Um Great. Where could people find out more about uh, Cruise, what you do, uh, seek more information, maybe connect with you, what are the best places to go? Sure. Crew is C-R-O-U-X. That's C-R-O-U-X dot co. That's the website. Um, you can contact us through that. I'm also Jennifer at Crew dot co. Um, we're on social media, join crew, C-R-O-U-X. Um, you can also stop by Blue Root if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, find us on Instagram, B-L-U-E-R-O-O-T. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Say hello, give us some feedback. Um, I also would just love to hear about other entrepreneurs' journeys. It feels so um, lonely doing this sometimes, but um, knowing other people that are out there trudging along just like we are, it's um, it's really refreshing to hear those stories. So here, if you guys need anything, just grateful for the time today. Great. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for, for coming to the show. Power to you and the teams uh, and uh, the year ahead. And I'm hoping you're going to smash that one Thanks. big thing. Appreciate that. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate it or give it a review or subscribe to one of our channels which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com I believe that reading books is key to become a great leader so I've helped you with a curated list of some of the books that have impacted the guests here on the show and myself over the years find it on Hospitality Mavericks website hospitalitymavericks.com under the reading list a big thank you to BizTemple for supporting us bringing great insights, strategies and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at BizSimply.com or on their social at BizSimply or BizSimplyHQ. You can also email them directly at podcast at BizSimply.com 
If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or my email, michael at hospitalitymaverick.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be maverick.